We're going to continue talking about the disciple, what it really means to follow Jesus. And our keynote verse has been this, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Of course, it's called the great what? The Great Commission. I know you're comfortable. I know you're seated. I know you've gotten off, uh, off warming. But let's stand up together and honor the Great Commission. And let's read it together with, with great gusto today, uh, like you would do if you're doing the Pledge of Allegiance, but just a little better. Here we go. Everybody together. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says this. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Father, help us to fulfill your commission and make disciples of all nations in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. So we've been talking about discipleship. And and, uh, gosh, uh, I began with a, a definition that I got from a book called Wiki Church. Everybody say Wiki Church. You can read it uh, and it'll bless you. Uh, it's a threefold uh, definition, discipleship defined. It's a call to follow Jesus. It's a call to fish for people. And it's a call to fellowship with others. That's a kind of a triangle of discipleship. If you're going to be a bona fide disciple, you're going to have to follow him. What did Jesus do with his disciples when he met them? Even P- Peter and the guys by the lake. He said, follow me. Everybody say, follow me. That's the first thing that you just got to start following him. I got a feeling in reality in this room today, people who would call themselves Christian, listen carefully, I'm going to just get up all in your business. They would call your, you would call yourself Christian. You would say you're on your way to heaven and believe it with all your heart, but you are not in reality following the will of God for your life. Could I say that that may be exactly true? You may be a, I'm just going to be ugly, I think this morning, a little renegade with the purposes of God for your life. You see, God has a plan for all of our lives, and we've got to follow him. Everybody say, follow him. And then the second part is fish for men, because Jesus told his disciples, if you'll, if you'll just follow me, and then I will make you a fisher of men. 2015, listen, for, our, for us as a church, and I found out that with Pastor Ron, we are on the same track. The, the goal and emphasis in 2015 is evangelism and harvest. We're going to, we're going to ev- learn to be evangelistic personally and corporately. In fact, I've already booked uh, a very well-respected evangelist for this spring. Who's gonna, we're going to have a, a, a friend day, and we're going to get together, and we're going to bring all our friends and fill the house, and he's going to preach the gospel to them, and then that night we're going to baptize all your friends who got saved. Does that sound like a winner? We're going to do it. We're going to evangelize. And how many of you got some friends that not only need to be baptized, they need to be saved for they're baptized? You get them saved. Hey, we're going to, it's the year of evangelism, the year of reaching out, going into all the world. Hey, when we get to El Mirador in a month, we're going to preach the good old fashioned gospel of Jesus in Espanol. And kids are going to be born again. Uh, it's a call to fish for people. And then three, it's a call to fellowship with others. We've got to connect with one another and build relationships with one another. And let me just say, if you're here today and you're searching for a church home, uh, I bet Kobe could tell you this is a pretty good place to be. I bet Kobe's parents could tell you this. They don't come here, but when they come to see Kobe, I bet they could say, it's a pretty good place to be. Uh, I love it when I get cards from from young men and women that that are here. They said, we're so glad our son is there with you. I said, I'm glad he is too. Uh, It's a good place to be. Uh, uh, Jeff and Julie is a pretty good place to be. 
they've been here. They were my first members to ever join. After I became the pastor of the church, I haven't run them off yet. Uh, and uh, so, hey, it's a good place to be. If you're searching for a church home, we want you to be a part of our church. We don't want you to wander aimlessly. We want you to be connected, committed, and, 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 and commissioned into this harvest with us. We need all the help we can get. Just look around and say, come on, we need all the help we can get. Tell somebody, come on, we need all the help we can get. We really do. So that's the discipleship. And oh, then we talked about, we've been talking about discipleship's development because it is a process. See, Jesus said, if you'll just follow me, I will make you fishers of men. You see, all of us, uh, anybody, have you finally arrived? Have you finished the last course? Have you took the final test and now nothing else? You, you've got it all figured out. You're, you're a full-fledged disciple and no, no problems and A+. Plus. Nothing else to learn. Anybody here? Oh, I didn't think so. I certainly am not. The development, developmental process is still alive. And that's what Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is all about. You see, once Jesus in Matthew 4 called his disciples to follow him and make them fishers of men, then Matthew 5, 6, and 7, he starts telling them what it means and what it takes to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I want you to take the Sermon on the Mount and Matthew 5, 6, and 7 and, and digest it, dissolve it, drink it, eat it, feed on it, and learn what it means to be bona fide. How many of you want to be bona fide? You don't, you don't want to be a part of that crowd I just got on to a little bit ago about you think everything's okay, but you're not really following Jesus. I want to come to the close of my life and know that I followed him and did his will all the days of my life and, and fished for men and fellowshiped with the saints. Amen. Hallelujah. And so, hey, we've, we've got to let the lifestyle of discipleship develop within us. And here's just some of the things we uh, uh, talked about. Uh, in fact, here's kind of the statement. It's a lifelong process that requires discipline of daily development. Everyone say daily development. You can't stumble your way into the, into the will of God for your life. You've got to have a daily developing of discipleship in your life. It is a what? Lifestyle. Everybody say it's a lifestyle. And so here's some things we've learned from Matthew 5 and 6. It's a lifestyle of learning. We, we realize that. He opened his mouth and he began to teach them. And then it's a lifestyle of giving. Matthew 6, 2 says, when you give. Everybody say, when you give. You see, it doesn't, I don't get embarrassed asking you to give. Number one, I'm a giver. But number two, the scripture teaches us that disciples are givers. Amen? We don't need to tiptoe around the tulips with that, do we? In fact... Kobe said it right. If you'll just catch this, you'll be blessed. You'll be, it'll, it'll overwhelm you. And you'll just, God will give seed to the sower. It's a lifestyle of giving, not just of our talents, but our tithes and our, our offerings and in our life. Uh, it's a lifestyle of giving. It's also a lifestyle of praying. Matthew 6, 6 says, when you pray, discipleships talk, disciples talk to God all the time. Disciples pray for other people all the time. Disciples don't just pray in a pinch. That's what needy, helpless people do who are self-sufficient, but when they get in a jam, they start calling on God, oh, help me out of my jam. Get me out of this problem. There's nothing wrong with praying that God will help you out of a problem. But listen, discipleship, people pray all the time. Disciples pray. It's a lifestyle of praying. And then number three, we learned that it's a lifestyle of fasting. You know, come the first of the year in January, we're going to be praying and fasting. Everybody say praying and fasting. 
In fact, I think the second Sunday, I've got, I'll, you'll get it later, we start our 21 days of prayer and fasting. We'll end on the first Sunday of February. We're going to do it in such a way that we can celebrate my wife's birthday while we're not fasting. We schedule, we're scheduling it around my wife's birthday. Because she, every time we have a birthday, we're all sitting there looking at, you know, nuts and beans. It's hard to make a birthday cake out of that stuff. So we're going to figure that out, and we're going to pray and fast. In fact, I've got this idea. Uh, we're going to figure out during the week that somewhere, some, we're going to sign up people where there'll be a prayer team here at least one hour a day throughout the month of, or that's 21 days, 21 days where somebody's here at the church praying, and you'll get to sign up for that and get you a prayer team, and you can come and cover, and, uh, and, and we're going to pray together in the church, prayer and fasting. And then last week, we, tur- we learned that discipleship from Matthew 6, a big part of Matthew 6, it's a lifestyle of trusting. We're trusting God and having faith. That's what disciples, they trust God. We looked in our Sunday circles. Everybody say Sunday circles. Sunday circles, we, we talked about trusting God and Job. Even through the hard times, you've got to learn to trust. And then today, from Matthew 7, we're going to look at, and realize that genuine discipleship is a lifestyle of introspection. Everyone say introspection. Say introspection. How many of you know introspection is looking within and examining, examining yourself and looking internally? And let's see what Jesus said. Now, here it is. Judge not that you be not judged. Now, he's talking to the disciples. Now, the the masses are there, but it's clear. He's talking to disciples. He's teaching discipleship principles. He's teaching, teaching the lifestyle of discipleship. He says, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. I mean, he's getting down to the brass tacks here. Then verse 5, he says this, hypocrite. Everybody say that. Hypocrite. Say it like you're mad at a hypocrite. Come on, say it. Hypocrite. All right. Jesus wasn't mad. He was getting serious. Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Now, that verse 5 is really where we're looking at. He says, first remove the plank from your own eye. Listen, catch this understanding. A lifestyle of honest introspection will ward off the temptation of becoming judgmental and hypocritical. I have met a lot of judgmental people. In fact, come on, I've been, let's be honest. How many of you ever been a little hypocritical yourself? You don't have to raise your hand high. Just, you just had a little hypocrite on the inside of you every once in a while. I've been a little hypocritical. How many of, some of you have been a little judgmental at times? Uh, not, uh, just me? Okay, come on now. Maybe I should make you raise your hand up high. I got mine up. I've been both of those things and neither one of them makes anybody happy but what he says here really if you're going to benefit people and that's what discipleship is all about others helping others you're going to have to be introspective you can't be always got the microscope on everybody else and the magnifying glass on everybody else you got to turn that microscope that magnifying glass on your own life and begin to be introspective and look on the inside in fact paul said this in second corinthians 15 pardon me 13 verse 5 he said let us examine ourselves 
You see, discipleship is all about dealing with the inner recesses of your heart so you can become more and more like him. I think of John chapter 8. You don't need to turn there, but it's the story of a woman, the religious people, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You know why the Sadducees were called the Sadducees? They were sad, you see. Y'all are sharp. They brought this woman caught in the very act of adultery, they said, and they, they cast, him at a, cast her at his feet, and they were testing Jesus to see if he would uh, break the law, which they said required her to be stoned. And, and, and Jesus, now, how many of you know Jesus was holy and righteous? And Jesus did something. He started riding in the sand. And they, everybody kind of got quiet. And then he said, if there's any among you who has not sinned, let him cast the first stone. And then he started writing in the sand again. I'd love to have been there. Nobody knows what he wrote, but it says from the oldest to the youngest, they all left him. And there he was with this woman caught in the very act of adultery. And he said, where's your accusers? She says, there are none, Lord. And he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, the word contempt, condemn, basically, neither do I judge you. Go and sin no more. He told her that, in fact, here's what you need to, need to see about Jesus. He didn't condemn the religious people. He could have said, you hypocrites, and been right. Am I correct? He could have done that. He saved that for us in verse 5. Remember? <laughs> He didn't, call, he didn't call the religious people hypocrites. He, he called us hypocrites, the disciples. Hypocrites, deal with the plank in your own eye before you start trying to get your brother's uh, uh, speck out of his eye. And, and he didn't condemn either side. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. In fact, verse 15 of that, he says, I judge no one. If Jesus is not the judge while he was here on earth, neither should we be the judge while we're here on earth or the hypocrite. Or, 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 the, or the, the, the one who thinks he's, he's been sent here to straighten everybody else out. And so we find that Jesus does not condemn. Jesus does not judge. In fact, how many re- remember John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then verse 17 and 18, you know what he says? He did not con- come to condemn the world, but through him the world would be what? Saved. And so here as disciples, Jesus is coming to teach us the necessity of what I'll call uh, introspective internal adjustments. All of us need some internal adjusting in our life. And he's teaching, the, yeah, he's, he's not teaching that they shouldn't be judges. He's teaching that they should take care of what's going on on the inside. Because the key, hey, the the bring it home verse is, hey, if you want to help your brother, you better deal with your own self first. And quit looking at everybody else's business. Get your nose out of everybody else's. I'm feeling a little cranky this morning. Get your nose out of everybody else's business and start looking on the inside because disciples are always adjusting the internal recesses of their heart. And this morning, there's some adjustment that needs to take place in all of us. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you and me. Some internal adjustments. That's what he was saying when he said, first, 
remove the plank from your own eye. You got to make some internal adjustments. You got to deal with the issues of your own life. If you're going to be a disciple, you got to realize that the first priority of your life is making sure that your heart is right with, with me and with man. Amen. So here we go. How do you do that? Well, here's a secret uh, that I, as I look at this uh, Sermon on the Mount, uh, it's really something that we all have to address. And this removing the plank in our own eye, it's dealing with our hearts. It's dealing with the attitude of our heart. And you know what the Sermon on the Mount began with in Matthew chapter 5? The what? The be the be attitudes, the attitudes that we need to be. This is what discipleship is. It's the necessary uh, adjustments of our life so that we can be what God wants us to be. And I want to look at some of those be attitudes because they're all attitudes of the heart and they all deal with the discipleship's heart. And here they are. The first one is this. Uh, uh, if you're going, if you're going to, uh, uh, have the right attitude and not, and, 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 and let your heart be adjusted correctly, you've got to develop a humble heart. Everybody say a humble heart. Look in Matthew chapter five, verse five. Blessed are the who? The meek. Everyone say the meek. Did you know the meek are humble people? And so listen, what's he saying? Listen, if you're going to be an, a, a disciple and if you're going to, hey, quit looking at your brother's speck and start looking at the plank in your own eye. Start realizing that you got to have a humble heart. If you're going to help other people, you got to stay humble. You got to have a meek mind, not weak. Everybody say meek doesn't mean weak. Any equestrians in the house? Hey, I don't know what an equestrian is. All right, it's somebody who does, deals with horses. I'm not an equestrian. I just like big words. All right? The equestrian, they deal with horse. And, and the, a, a horse, uh, a good horse has, is meek. He's humble. He's, he's submitted. He's not weak. He's, he's, he's under the bridle of God in his life. And he's got his heart under the governance of God. Humble yourselves, the Bible says, under the mighty hand of God. And what will he do? He will do what? He will lift you up. It's a humble heart. So somebody here this morning may need to, uh, you know what, what I've learned about pride and arrogance. He resists the proud, right? But he gives what to the humble? He gives grace to the humble. You know what I've learned if I don't humble myself? You know what God's good enough to do? He'll humble me. I'd rather do it myself. I promise you, it, it gets you into the blessing of God so much better. So, hey, if you want to adjust the inner recesses of your heart and, and look on the inside, let's, let's, let's work on developing a humble heart. Number two, it's a hungry heart. For he says in verse six, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. What have you been hungering and thirsting for lately? What has been the motivation of your life? Has it been for me, myself, and I? Has it been to, to get all I can and can the rest? Or has it been to be a blessing to God and a blessing to, to others by being a righteous, uh, holy, uh, living a righteous and a holy lifestyle and hungering and thirsting after the things of God? Amen. And then number three, I see one of the attitudes we need to be is, uh, has a helpful heart. Verse seven says, blessed are the merciful. Everyone say merciful. Man, those who care about others. And the, in fact, that word merciful means compassion. But I'm telling you, I get all bothered when I go to Mexico because I see so much need. I see it everywhere. Uh, but man, these little kids that are so close to us, 
They're a two and a half hour flight from us. They just, hey, you can get there in a hurry. In fact, if you want to go in December, you can go with us. It, anybody can go as long as they have a valid passport and they're not lunatics, they can go. All right. And I'll tell you if you're a lunatic or not. You can just ask me and I'll, I'll, cause I'm the, I'm the leader of the group. I don't let lunatics go. I don't think there's any in this room. Any lunatics here? Say, ah, no lunatics. Okay. You, all right. You can go with us. It'd probably cost you about $650 and a week off. Uh, and uh, you'll be you'll be radically transformed uh, for the rest of your life. You can get a little taste of drilling water wells, and you can get a big taste of the children of El Mirador. Uh, it'll be a huge blessing. Uh, and uh, hey, blessed are the are the merciful, the compassionate, for they'll receive mercy. How many of you need some mercy and compassion in your life? This is what we've got to be. We've got to have a humble heart, a hungry heart, a helpful heart. And then number, uh, number four, a holy heart. This is what we've got to have. Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the what? Pure in heart. For they shall what? They shall see God. So, hey, what's Jesus trying to tell his disciples in Matthew 7? You better start dealing. You better get some internal adjustments going on. If you're, if you're lagging in humility and your, your hunger for God and, and righteousness is lagging and, and you're thinking it's all about you and you've lost your sense of compassion for others and you said, there goes preacher again asking for money. Well, shame on you. You need to realize that God wants us to be merciful and to give and to care for others. That's the heart of a disciple, a holy heart, which is right with God. It says, you'll see God. And then number five, I love this in verse 10. I call it a healing heart because he said, blessed are the peacemakers, the peacemakers, people who are endeavoring to get people at one with one another and healing the hurts and the pain and the sorrow and the agony and the offense of people's lives. That's the Beatitudes. That's some of the Beatitudes. That's the attitudes that we must be. There's some areas in my life that need adjusting, internal adjusting. And if I'm going to help anybody with the speck in their own eye, I've got to start adjusting the attitude of my heart. This morning, I believe the Holy Ghost wants to fine-tune and adjust our hearts for the days ahead. And get us to a place where we are right-hearted. Begin to say, where we can begin to say, this is what I want to be. I want to have a humble heart and a hungry heart and a helpful heart and a holy heart and a healing heart. Listen, you know, some of you, listen, I'll just be honest. Some of us, I'll throw me in there. We're stirring it up instead of drawing it down. Some of us are, are antagonizers. And we're stirring a pot of offense in our families or in our jobs, in our businesses. Listen, don't do that. Be humble and hungry and helpful, holy. And let's, let's bring some healing. That's what I'm going to be. This is what God wants me to be. This is the attitude of my heart. You know, I've been reading uh, Robert's book about his time in Iraq and, uh, He's wanting me to finish. Uh, I'm a little slow. Uh, but last night I was reading it. You know, one thing that, sh- that stuck out to me, Robert, was in, in all the pain and being separated from his family. You know what he began to realize? He was missing his family so bad. He's, God, there's some of the things I, some of the way I was with my family. I'm never going to be that again. 
And all the way over in Iraq, God was... Sometimes it might take that to tweak us. Get us to a place where look at your own life for a minute. Get your eyes off everybody else. Quit pointing the finger at everybody else. Some of you have been pointing the finger at other people so long you forgot that there's four more pointing right back at you. Come on now. It's time we grow up a little bit. And not be so hypocritical with how we view life. Thinking that we got it all figured out. Listen, where do we begin? How can we do this? Well, Jesus will help us. In fact, David knew this. He, I love David. Even though David blew it, David was a man after God's own heart. And he wrote this in Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there is any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Everyone say, search me. Everyone say, try me. Everyone say, lead me. Oh, that's a good threefold sermon right there. If you ever got to go preach somewhere, you can preach from that. Search me, oh God. And know my heart. Catch this one. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me into the way everlasting. Jesus came to his disciples there on the... On the mount, Sermon on the Mount. He said, don't judge. If you judge, it'll be, you'll, it'll be right back at you. Whatever, how many of you know whatever you sow, you're going to reap? If you reap mercy, you're going you're gonna to reap what? If you sow mercy, you're going to what? Reap mercy. If you sow judgment, you're going to reap judgment. If you sow anger, you're going to reap anger. Anybody ever been in a shout match with somebody? Come on. Uh, let me just throw it out another way. Anybody never raised your voice with anybody ever in the history of your life? Raise your, okay, no no one here. Everybody's got a little angry. Anybody, anybody got ever a little angry? All right. I, Beverly, raise that left. Oh, you don't have a right hand. You can't raise your right hand and solemnly swear, can you? She's getting healed. All right. Hey, has anything ever gotten better with you yelling louder? Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. What does the Bible say? A soft answer turns away wrath. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. Jesus said that. He said, quit trying to get the speck out of your brother's eye until you deal with the plank in your own. And once you get that out, you can help your brother. I want to help my brother, but I don't want to judge my brother. I don't want to criticize my brother. I want to help him. If I'm going to help him as a disciple, I'm going to have to help myself. I'm going to have to be make some internal adjustments. Introspective, internal adjustments. You know, when you get in an argument with somebody, the last thing you want to do is look at your own life. When you have an issue, you don't want to look on the inside, do you? Because, it, I mean, if you know, any conflict has two sides. There's... There's issues. 
This week, all of us need to make some internal, introspective internal adjustments in how we look at life. And begin to look through the Beatitudes and the attitude of Christ. He judges no one. I didn't come to judge. I came that people be born again. I don't judge the homosexuals. In fact, you know what what Jesus said in John? He said, people who don't believe Jesus, they're condemned already. They've already been judged. They're already on their, the, the sentence is already given. They're on their way to hell in a hurry. If you don't accept Christ into your life, you're already under the judgment of God, the judgment of not uh, yielding to his governance in your life. He said, I didn't come to judge. People who don't give their life to Christ, they're, they're condemned already. I'm not here to condemn anybody. I'm here to help people get out from under the condemnation. Amen. And begin to find the will of God for their life. This week, how many of you can say, Pastor, I'm going to spend some quality time allowing the Holy Spirit to search me and know my thoughts and tweak the inner recesses of my heart. Let me just ask this. How many of you got some friends sitting close to you? Some family members? You got some family members sitting close to you? Be honest. Do, do they have some? No, I'm not. No, look at yourself. I uh, see. I tried to trick you, didn't I? Don't be judging them. Don't worry about your husband, your wife right now. Let's look on the inside. Let's build a lifestyle of allowing the Holy Spirit to search us and know us and make some internal, introspective, internal Be honest. You got to be honest, right? With yourself. It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me that needs to be adjusted in the attitude of my life. Let's stand together. Lord, today, search us, O God, and know our hearts. Try us, O Lord, and know our thoughts. And see if there is any wicked way in us. And Lord, let me just say a side note and help us deal with it. In fact, Lord, we confess areas of our life. Hey, this is a good place as any. You got two minutes. Lord, I confess there are areas of my life, the attitudes of my heart that are counterproductive for the gospel. Forgive us of arrogance. Forgive us, Lord, for impurity in our life. Impure thoughts, unholy thoughts, angry thoughts. Forgive us for carrying offenses and for being unforgiving. Forgive us for being judgmental and critical. Lord, help us be merciful and helpful and holy. Help us, Lord, to have the attitude of Christ. We humble ourselves before you, Lord. And Lord, let us be a peacemaker and be a healer. Help us be helpers to those who need you in their life. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. 
Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. And Lord, lead me. Lord, I'll follow you. Just lead me into the way everlasting. With every head bowed and every eye closed before we leave today. If you're here and you know you're not a Christian. You know you're lost. You know you've never asked Christ into your heart. If that's you today, I want to pray for you wherever you might be. I don't want to assume that we're all here are Christian. If you're here and you can say, Pastor, I want to know for sure that Jesus Christ lives in my life, that I am His and He is mine. If that's you this morning, wherever you are, lift your hand and let me pray for you. Anyone here? Say, Pastor, that's me. I, I just don't know that I, I know Jesus Christ in my life. Just lift your hand. God bless you. Anyone else? You can put your heads down. With every head bowed and every eye closed, some lifted their hand. And we're going to pray a prayer together in their behalf and for them. If you lifted your hand, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. Don't just repeat the words, but catch the heart and pray it to God. In fact, all of us are going to pray out loud to God in your behalf and with you. And so I want us all to pray together for those that lifted their hands that want to know for sure that Jesus Christ lives in their heart. Pray with me, everyone together. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me, for paying for my sin with your own blood. Thank you, Lord, that your blood cleanses us of all sin. I believe that today. I thank you for dying for me and for rising again the third day so I could have a new life too. I receive what you've done for me. I believe what you've done for me. I accept it today. And I invite you into my heart. Cleanse me of all my sin. And lead me into the way everlasting. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Let's give the Lord a great big praise offering today. Amen. Amen.